Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This is episode 73 of the podcast. In case you were wondering, I took a little break off from it last week because I was not feeling 100%. <clears throat> and as you can tell, as I clear my throat, I had a little bit of a cold last week. So I decided that I didn't want to come on to this podcast. I only go about 50%. I want to come on 100% fully ready to go, <clears throat> re-energized, and that's what I decided to do. And also, too, because I feel like it'd be kind of dumb while having a scratchy throat and just trying to drink as much fluids as possible. I feel like it would not be good to try to record a 30-minute podcast of just me just going on about who knows what. So, decided to take the last week off and just kind of, you know, I feel like sometimes I don't want to, like, just post a new episode every week because, you know, I want to get them views, right? But I, I was like, I'll just uh, not put a new episode up and just kind of let some people get to enjoy some previous episodes, I thought, so that way I'm not just constantly having to, people have to run to put out new episodes uh, and all that fun jazz. So, I decided, you know, just take the week off, and now I feel like I'm fully at 100% reinvigorated, ready to go, and ready to get into some of the stuff that makes me mad. A little bit of personal news that I am excited about. I'm not going to tell you guys where I'm working, because I do not want this to get tied in with work, but I was able to find a job related to my uh, degree for uh that I went to college for, so I am happy about that. I will definitely miss the people that I worked with uh, at the hospital, but at the same time, I am definitely glad that I do not have to clean uh, toilets anymore and uh, make beds and all that fun jazz and clean up code browns because those were not fun. I'm telling you, the toilets, Some that sometimes they were clean, and then sometimes I would want to just walk out on the second floor and be like, Jesus Christ, who had burritos in there today? Good God. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like, holy crap, did everyone just have like a laxative or some shit? And I'm like, man, it's, it's dirty, but I guess I gotta clean it. So that's what I did. So I'm out here doing the dirty work, and I've gone from fast food worker uh, to housekeeper to what I'm doing now. So it's a, uh, been a long journey, but I'm happy about it because I feel like I have definitely grown in it. And it's just a cool little story to tell. Like, ah, oh, you know, things were tough back then. And so I had to, you know, be a working fast food. And then I worked at a job that moved me to housekeeping after a month and all this. But look, I came out on the on the positive side for it. So maybe if that's a little inspiration for some people that, you know, hey, you just got to give things some time and it'll work out. Just got to keep pushing through it. Uh, and yeah, so I'm happy about that and definitely looking forward to starting that up here pretty soon. And that's really much about it. Also, too, um, it's uh, uh, random. Normally I tell other people go check out podcasts in the first round KO family. Uh, but if you guys are interested in listening to... Um, a podcast interview uh go check out marty smith's interview with um the i think the title is called house of highlights and uh the guy that created house of highlights um he interviews and he talks about kind of his journey and it's really interesting because i know a lot of people um that had just kind of have like side hustles on the side so it's like my little side hustle 
I know a lot of the people either have it via podcasting or they make like arts and crafts or they make uh, or they sell clothes on the side. Uh, it was really interesting that um, he was just kind of started off just kind of making YouTube videos on the side and making a couple bucks here and there. And then he kind of got an audience from that. And then he did a couple other things, but then created House of Highlights, his own Instagram page, and then that really took off. And so he was saying that once that took off, then Bleacher Report bought it. And he started working for Bleacher Report. And then he uh, got hired by ESPN to be their social media uh, guy. And so it's a really interesting interview. And so for a lot of people that are just like, oh, it's just a side hustle, it's not going to amount to much. You don't know that necessarily. You never know when it could just start taking off and getting views and, you know, getting follows or anything like that. So definitely just keep sticking with it. And my whole little mindset is if for my little side hustle is if if it doesn't take off and get money, you know, no big deal. I I don't need this to be successful. But if it does take off and become successful, that would totally be cool. So definitely just keep plugging away at whatever y'all are doing. Because it's like it's even then like he was just like he was like yeah I noticed it when you know I got to like a thousand followers and then it was like five thousand came really fast and so I always think like um it's back to like my podcast being on Instagram and it's like seeing those follows coming where it's like oh I've got you know like 10 and then it's 15 I'm like oh okay then 20 and then an occasional follow here and there so it's really cool because it's like I just know it's growing and growing more as the time progresses so I think that's really cool. I had to take a swig of a Gatorade. As I said, it's like I feel like I'm at like 99.9%. It's just I have to constantly kind of clear my throat once in a while. So I don't want to do that because that's not good audio. So I just figured me taking a swig of a Gatorade would be better audio content on your ears. So you are welcome for that. All right. I think I am ready to get into some of the stuff that makes me mad this week. Uh, if you are a sports fan, you're probably going to enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you are not a sports fan, I am sorry. But I just kind of like to get some of the stuff that makes me mad about, like, you know, stuff that happens in the sporting world. And I like to kind of do it. Because one, I feel like I could always talk about it. But two, I don't want to have a guest on or something like that. And then it's like the only topics I got are sports stuff. And then they have to talk about sports for 30 minutes. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard people... Uh, who know nothing about sports, try to talk about sports, it's not fun. Um, it'd be like me having a podcast uh, on mechanical engineering. I don't know anything about it, so I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to be invited onto a podcast where I have to talk about it, because then that would be really awkward. I would definitely have to try and uh, fake it, and so I don't want to do that to a guest. So I just figured I'd try to get all my sports stuff out of the way when it's just me out here, or maybe when I have one or two other people I'm thinking of. Unfortunately, I normally would have, maybe if I would have, like, Dalton or something like that come on, but he is currently, I believe, down in Texas or Arkansas. He's in a state south, or more south than Wisconsin, so I was like, well, it looks like I will have to ride this one solo. But one of the things, though, so they, I've had these, you know, brewing on the stove for a while, I would say. I had these boiling in the uh, water pot of what makes me mad uh, for a while now uh, because, as I said, I took the week off. And so something might seem a little outdated, but I feel like it is important to address 
And I want to get into some of the stuff, though, that makes me mad. So, one of the things that made me mad this week, or, why do I always say this week? It's clearly, I write them down if I have an idea, and then I come up with the book. Looking back on it, one of the things, though, that I am mad at is Stanford Wrestling. Uh, it makes me mad that Stanford Wrestling, Stanford University decided, due to COVID uh, budget cuts, uh, they decided to cut their wrestling program, which I believe had been around for over a hundred years, and they had just taken some, uh, someone had just went to state, or, uh, had just won a national championship, it's, uh, their wrestling as part of, like, their programs last year or something like that. I'm not really too familiar on it, but one of the things, though, that makes me mad is seeing these sports get cut. I think it is frankly ridiculous that some of these football coaches can make so much money. Uh, the universities can shell all these money to these guys. Uh, universities can jack up the tuition rates of these colleges for these students to go to. But then yet they can't find a way to keep all the teams around. It's like, come on. I get there is a pandemic outside. I understand that. And I understand that there are concerns or like for... Uh, putting fans in the stands, so obviously everyone could do 100%. Um, and so a lot of people had, you know, money gets lost because, uh, you know, college basketball not having fans or football. I understand that. But you can't sit here and try to tell me that money is an issue when all these students are paying so much money to go to your university. Because apparently it's not an issue for you guys to just jack up tuition rates or charge more for online schooling, but yet it's an issue for when you have to turn around and pay. And for a lot of these kids, too, I feel bad about, too, because it's like, or I think Iowa maybe was at first came out and was like, we're going to have to do some cutting of programs, but then they came out and they're like, ah, well, we looked at the numbers a little bit more closely and we're able to... Uh, save some of these programs. But, you know, a lot of these kids, it's like their last ride for playing these events. And a lot of, you know, people, uh, a lot of players enjoy playing these sports and it's like going to be their last time basically doing it. And so they went to that school to do said activity and then, they get, then they're just getting it taken away from them. It's like, really? I highly doubt cutting a men's tennis program is going to save the school an insane amount of money. Like, you're paying all these football coaches a lot of money. Basketball coaches are getting paid a lot of money. But you mean to tell me the rowing club is going to be the cap casualty for why you can't keep your team afloat? Like, come on. Especially in the case with, like, Stanford. And you see the success that they've had. People have clearly come out. And, like, even apparently they've had donors come out to them and been like, we will help fund the wrestling program. Keep it around. Uh, as of right now, as I tape, I don't know if they've come out and been like, hey, we're going to keep it around. Uh, but honestly, they should. Uh, it's frankly just ridiculous. that I think also, too, they had cut some programs even before the pandemic started. But it's like, you know, what? Like, just they should have as offer as much avenues for students to use uh, so they could come to their universities and, you know, get a good education. Uh, but also, too, they're still able to fulfill their athletic promise. And it's like, you know, 
NCA, I talked about it uh, last podcast where they're like making this advertisement on like, you know, not everyone goes pro. This is what some of these people have done, you know, motivational speaker, uh, astronaut, um, soldier. And it's like, you know, if you get more people to go to college to play more athletics, you're able to have more of those success stories. Because I guarantee you, someone that is in the rowing club probably isn't going to go pro in football. And then they could use, or whatever, they use their degree to get a job. And then they could be like, hey, because I was able to go to Stanford for wrestling, I was able to achieve this degree, which they now have used for whatever job they have. Sets the student up more, right, if you have these athletic programs. But instead, universities are like, ooh. We don't have the money for it. And it's like, nah, yeah, you do. How about you just create, take some more creative uh, ways to save some more money? Uh, I highly recommend that they go back and listen to some episodes, I believe. Uh, ways for Whitewater to save that money also applies to other colleges and universities as well, too. Uh, especially with the pandemic, it's like, you have ways to save money. Maybe don't pay your chancellors so much money. Maybe just don't have a board of people that make an insane amount of money, uh, but then be like, well, we're going to have to be the one that cuts the faculty. And it's like, no, you're clearly, it's like if you had, if you're looking to lose 50 pounds and you decide that you're going to cut sprinkles out of your diet, yes, cutting sprinkles will help, but that's not really getting at the root of the problem. You can't just cut, like, a little bit of teacher funding or teacher salary and be like, all right, that should be good. No, you got to go to the fat, uh, the bulk of the income, and cut it off from there. That's how you save money. You don't just save it by cutting all these smaller programs on the side. No, you got to go into the big slice and cut it up from there. Not that hard, I feel like. But some of these universities are like, oh, we don't have the money, so we're going to cut all these programs. It's like, ah, you're just looking to cut them anyway. You're like, ah, we don't want to pay the money for it. And it's like, so now everyone's, what, just going to be football in a basketball school? Come on. I always like it, especially with, like, UW sports. I always enjoy, um, well, one, as a writer for UW Whitewater, it was always cool learning about other sports as well, too. I learned more about volleyball when I covered volleyball. Um, I covered swim, and I learned more about swim. And same with tennis, too. And it's like, you know, you have more sports, the more uh, people might be able to be like, oh, that's interesting. And it's like with, like, uh, the women's hockey team for uh, Wisconsin. I was like, oh, you know, I see they're in the national championship. I'm going to keep my eye on them. Like, it's always cool to pull for teams that are in the championship. And even if it's something like the rowing team, I'll be like, you want to what? I'll pull them. I'll tip my hat to them and say, great job. Hopefully they're able to, you know, win it. But just when you cut these programs, it's like less teams to cheer for. And that's not as fun. Especially like if one program, like if football and basketball do bad, it's like, well, what else is there to cheer for? Like if that's like your main program, but it's like some schools are really good at wrestling. Some are really good, you know, tennis, it's like volleyball, it's like, you have more variety, the more happier people will be because they're able to enjoy other things, so I don't get why they're like, well, we have to cut funding here, so Stanford cutting wrestling made me mad, and so that goes to all these other universities, I'm shaking my fist at you right now.
just it's just dumb. They're always like, oh, it's a pandemic. It's like, ah, welcome to real life. Everyone's having to go through a pandemic. Like, I would still have to pay my bills. Um, damn sure, no, if I had student loans, I can't just be like, ah, I just don't feel like paying my student loans right now. It's a pandemic. They're going to still be like, um, yeah, you owe us some. So I saw that, and it just made me mad. And another thing that made me mad is the Green Bay Packer fans online that are bitching that the Packers haven't signed any free agents yet. So NFL free agency has been well underway for about a month now, and the Packers, like most teams, are trying to find ways to improve their team so that way they can go to the Super Bowl. That's why you play the sport. And they are unfortunately in a tough situation uh, because in the NFL, and I think a lot of fans forget this, there is a salary cap. So a salary cap is a hard set price on how much a team can spend on players. And they have to be at that. Now there's creative ways that they can you know, maneuver the salary cap. But they have to find a way to be under it. Alright, they just can't be over it, I should say. Because uh, then they'll either be... It's like they either will get fined or forfeit a draft pick or they'll you know, possibly can't field the team. But basically, it just says that teams can't just spend a bunch of money on players. And it kind of makes things more competitive. So when you have the Packers... A really good football team with a couple of guys that are free agents. They just can't go out and throw money at everyone and then stack their roster that way. You know, creates a competitive balance. And so with the pandemic, the cap wasn't able to go as high. Every year, the cap gets, like, adjusted based on, like, prices that, like, the NFL makes for, like, money, whether it's TV uh, or ticket sales and all that fun jazz, right? So... Salary cap normally every year goes up, so that, so that, so that, way, that way, way teams have more money to spend on players. So the Packers are in basically, I want to say salary cap hell because the New Orleans Saints are definitely way down there. But they, they're tight on money, alright? It's like going into a restaurant and being like, I only have $20 to spend on groceries and that's all that I have. So the Packers had a certain amount. First, they had to get rid of some players and then not re-sign some guys. But basically, their main thing that they did was they re-signed Aaron Jones, and then they also brought back cornerback Kevin King. And so those two moves, along with a couple others, have basically put them right at the salary cap. But a lot of fans don't understand that you can't go over it. You can't be over it by, like, a certain point or whatnot, Right. So if we go out and sign more people, that's going to put us over the cap. And I think a lot of fans are like, Duh, why haven't you gone out and signed any free agents? Which, by the way, correction, they have not, or they have signed a free agent, a long snapper, uh, for some competition, I believe, for Hunter Bradley, who was eh, kind of hit or miss, has... A long snapper, it's kind of hard to kind of judge a long snapper. Basically, all that you got to do is just snap the ball between your legs and get it accurately to the holder or the punter. Uh, when you mess up, it's a lot easier to realize, eh, yeah, that guy kind of messed up. But uh, they signed a long snapper, so see, there's your free agent signing. But it's like, you know, they re-signed a guy that was a key part to their offense, and they also re-signed a guy 
who has shown a decent amount of potential on the defensive side of the ball. And I know everyone's like, oh, he was terrible in the NFC Championship game. Yes, he was. But that was probably the worst game he's played as a Packer. And it's like, you know, he's had decent games with the Packers. It's not like they went out and signed him for like a six-year, $80 million contract. I think it was just one year, $6 million. Either that or it was two years, 12 million. It was not like a lot of money. It's just like, a, hey, if he plays well, it's going to look like a steal. And, you know, if he sucks, you know, whatever. We needed cornerback depth. He was in our price range. Because a lot of these corners that have been free agents have been going for a huge amount of money in free agency. And that's money the Packers don't have. All right? Like, think of it like wanting to buy a brand new car and you want to get a Corvette. But you only got the money to buy yourself a Kia Soul. So you can't complain that you don't have the Corvette because you don't have the money to afford it. It's like if the Packers had more cap space, I would be saying, yes, go sign those free agents. Back when they had the cap space in 2018, that's when they made their moves. That's when they went and got Sedarius and Preston Smith. That's when they went out and got Billy Turner and... Crap, who am I for? Uh, Adrian Amos. Those were the big four, right? And even last year, they did a little bit of uh, nickel and diamond uh, by getting, like, Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner. It's like, you know, there's only so much wiggle room you have on a hard cap, and it's like you can't just go out and just spend it all willy-nilly. Some of these free agents are going to go for a higher amount of money. Like, I get... You know, we would definitely want more corners to help sure up the back end because that was our, one of our weaknesses in the championship game is our cornerbacks, aside from Jair, were not very good. So, normally it would be like, all right, let's sign some free agents. We don't have the cap space for it. I don't know what's so hard for Packers fans to be like, well, why aren't they signing free agents? Bro, because there is literally a salary cap. So what the Packers will probably most likely do is when they will go into the NFL draft, which is just around the corner, which, again, it just feels weird. I feel like time has just gotten lost since the pandemic started. Just, it does not feel like April right now. It's weird. But they will go into the draft, and they will try to find key needs there. And I say we'll try because last year they were like, eh, we're going to think for the future. Not saying those are bad picks, because we all hated the A.J. Dillon pick, and now everyone's like, oh, they got A.J. Dillon, he's about to be a beast this year. And then everyone hated the DeGora pick, and they're like, oh, he looked pretty good before the ACL injury. You know, it's like, things are just college kids coming out. You know, we don't know more than the scouts. Let's just assume that these guys know what they're doing. So I guarantee you what uh, Gutenkunz is going to do. He's going to go in that draft, look and be like, all right, we need help here, here, and here. Let's go address it. They st- now, af- after the draft gets done, if they haven't addressed those needs, then yes, they can bitch. But what they're going to do is they're going to go into the draft, draft some guys, get them on cheaper contracts than what you would get for a free agent, and try to plug the holes there with younger, cheaper talent. That's kind of how the NFL works. You can either sign free agents or and or sign or draft young players. There's two ways you can basically build your teams through the NFL, but it's just not everyone's just like, oh, they haven't signed any free agents. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like how if I don't have a whole lot of money in my savings account, I'm not going out and buying a new uh, 
Ferrari because I don't have the money for it right now. But that's just me. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. But another thing, though, that made me mad. This is a lot more recent. So last Saturday, I was watching a little bit of baseball. Shout out to baseball for returning. Uh, I was watching, or actually, uh, I was watching MLB Network because a lot of games I can't watch. Shout out to baseball again there. But the Brewers and Twins, you know, you take two local team or like two teams in my local viewing area that I should get. Um, unfortunately, I do not because again, shout out to Fox Sports, which I believe is now called Bali Sports, um, which has just kind of been taking over baseball and buying a bunch of. Uh, contracts or something i don't know but basically they're in a feud with like 900 companies aside from cable so it's like dish youtube tv hulu bunch of them are all in a feuds with fox sports slash Bali, whatever the hell you want to call them and then also too, fox uh southern wisconsin or something that has the twins games there's something like that they're in a feud with dish network too so again billionaires crying over money it's just so much fun right but anyway the twins and brewers were playing each other and it was a great pitchers duel between two aces uh corbin burns was pitching a solid game for the brewers he had not allowed a hit through i believe six innings and same with jose barrios not allowed a hit through six innings i like what craig council did the manager of the brewers he kept Corbin Burns in the game until Corbin Burns gave up a hit. That hit ended up being a home run, but it's like, you know, if the guy, if your pitcher's going to go out and only give up one hit and one run, that's a pretty solid, successful day, I would say. That's kind of on your offense to pick it up, so I don't blame Council at all for the decision, right? But on the flip side, the Twins, their manager, Rocco Baldelli, decides that even though Jose Barrios hadn't allowed a hit yet, decides, I'm going to have to take this guy out. I don't want him... Uh, he had thrown about 80 pitches or something through that, and it's kind of like in the first opening week, you really don't want your pitchers having too much strain on their arm. You don't want them to go out and throw in 120 pitches. I can totally understand that, right? But when you have a chance to make history, a no-hitter is a rare feat in baseball. And to not let your guy go out and try to do that rare feat... It don't sit well with me. And so they were on the network. They're talking uh, like the host was like, I think you should let Barrios go through. But then the uh, front office guy and the former manager in the booth were like, no, this is the right call. You got to take him out because you don't want him getting hurt. And it's like, at what chance is he going to have a chance to throw a no hitter again? You know, a lot of things have to go right for a guy to throw a no hitter. Good defense behind him. Uh, your stuff uh the pitching has to have a lot of you know good break just good day to be pitching where your stuff works really well for you and then also too uh timely offensive woes on the other side too right so there are a lot of factors that come into either a no hitter or a perfect game and so for the fact that it's like and you know a lot of these guys pitch good and i'm sure barrios will have more successful outings in the future but it, it don't sit well with me when you have a pitcher who's throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs with his arm and you're worried oh we better take him out now because we don't want to put too much strain on him it's like you know i get at, like a pitcher can get injured at any point 
just one simple throw, and then all of a sudden he could tear something in his elbow uh, or in his shoulder, wrist, and he has Tommy John, and he's out for 18 months. Tommy John surgery is a medical procedure done on the arm, I believe, for a pitcher or an elbow. I'm not entirely sure, but it's a really serious injury for some pitchers. And for this fact that, oh, if we take him out now, we're just extending him later on so that way he's healthy during like the middle of the season. And again, I totally understand that. But what if you don't get to that point? What if his next outing, six pitches in, he throws something and all of a sudden his elbow feels funny? Like, and it's like, oh, what? Your decision to try to avoid risk hasn't paid off because it's like, guess what? It's a risky position to be throwing at, all right? And it's like, I'm trying to find, like, a good analogy for it, but it just frustrates me as a baseball fan. You don't have a lot of opportunities to see no hitters. And it's like, if you've got a guy out there that's pitching good, especially in a one nothing game, like the game hadn't been decided or anything like that. It's like, just keep your guy out there. Let him throw. There's always a chance that he's going to get hurt, whether it's the first pitch of the game or the 112th. And I get if you go further into the game, yeah, the more chance that he's more putting more strain on his elbow and his shoulder and that is going to hurt, you know, has a chance for him to get hurt later on. Totally understand that. But you can't just sit here and be like, oh, yeah, we're just taking him out because, you know, this is the best strategy. It's like he could get hurt at any time. I remember a couple years ago, uh, Edwin Jackson, I think, threw a no-hitter, and he had accumulated 147 pitches. It's like, you know, and he really didn't have, like, a great career after that. And, like, same with, like, Johan Santana where he had threw a lot of pitches in his game, but they let him go, and he got the no-hitter. And his career ended up kind of having a lot more injuries after that. But a lot of, you know, you can always say, oh, injuries uh, affected his career. Yeah, but on the flip side, these guys are now in the history books because they did something that a lot of pitchers haven't done, and that's throw a no-hitter. And so you can't sit here and be like, oh, we got to take him out because, you know, we're worried about injury concerns. Because injury concerns can happen all the time. If you've got a guy that's chasing greatness, let him go chase greatness. Because when is he going to get to do it again? What if his career just gets derailed next start, you know? What if uh, he takes, like, a liner to the head or something like that? Or he, no, like, baseball players get hurt in the weirdest way possible. And, like, I understand you know, maybe if we limit the innings, that could help them out. But it's like, you know, there are more opportunities to limit those innings, all right? Let your guy go chase greatness. Let your guy go beat that record. Let him go have the opportunity to throw a no-hitter. That's something that anyone has barely ever done. It just frustrates me because it's like, you're going to take him out, and he may never get that chance again. And then it's like, what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt in the next start or the start after that and it's like his chance of throwing a no-hitter then went up in smoke and it's like, let the guy go chase greatness. Let him go see if he can achieve that record book. So Joe Musgrove actually of the Padres, I'm recording this on a Saturday, uh, uh, last Friday night, great selling by Katy Perry, but also too on last Friday night, um, Joe Musgrove had thrown a no-hitter and it's like, you know, Joe Musgrove, decent pitcher I would say, 
probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame unless he has absolutely tears it up with the Padres. But it's like he's always going to have the fact that he threw the first no-hitter in San Diego Padres history. And so for anyone that's a baseball history bluff or history buff like myself, you would know that the Padres were the last team in Major League Baseball to not throw a no-hitter, and Joe Musgrove achieved that. Now, what do you think would have happened if his manager would have taken him out? Instead, manager kept him in, let him go, and, you know, if he throws a pitch and it gets hit for base hit, then, yeah, you could take him out. I totally would get that, but let him go achieve greatness because now Joe Musgrove can say, that he is, one, the only pitcher right now to throw a no-hitter in San Diego history, but he was also the first. And that was achieved because his manager kept him in the game. I don't know what his pitch count was at. Some some of these guys can keep their pitch counts really low. Sometimes they can keep them really high. But normally after, like, 100 pitches is when a pitcher should probably get taken out, I feel like, in my eyes. But it's like, you know, back in the old days... These guys would throw a hundred pitches and would have would turn around the next day and then throw another hundred. Now, granted, what we know now with injuries and that would totally fuck up your elbow. Uh, but it's like you know, throwing a hundred pitches it can definitely hurt you, but it's also might not kill you. Like if you kind of just I don't want to use the word baby these pitchers but it's like if you just kind of keep like the stress off them it's like well what do you do then if you really need a pitcher to gut out a performance and the whole time you've been taking them out after like 70 pitches it's like you know that could come back to haunt you so I just it just frustrates me when you have a guy chasing a no hitter it's like just let him go all the way man you know let him achieve greatness let them go for it, but I don't get it. I don't get it. It frustrates me. But at the same time, you know, these guys are MLB managers. I am just simply sitting in a chair recording a podcast on things that make me mad. There's clearly a differentiate differentiation between the two of us. Um, and so, I, I, what do I know is what I should say. I just It just frustrates me. Just let the guy go chase greatness. It's kind of like... In a soccer game, maybe, when, like, a guy has two goals and he has a chance to get a hat trick and then his manager decides to take him out or something like that. Or if an NFL wide receiver has 990 or 996 receptions on the year and only needs four more or something. Or maybe yards, because 1,000 receptions would be insane. But then um, a manager takes him out. It's like, go let him chase a record book. You know, who knows how long their career is going to be. Who knows how long their life will be. Just let them go achieve that moment or try to achieve that moment. Let them bask get the glory. Or, you know, if they fail, then it's like, all right, well, we gave them a shot. You know, now we know. Instead of just being like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if we would have kept Berrios in the game. I wonder if he would have thrown that no-hitter. It's like, you got to leave him in to find out. But, I don't know, it just frustrates me sometimes. But that's going to do it, though, for this week's edition of What Makes Me Mad. I appreciate you guys listening. Glad to be back in the saddle this week. Uh, just, yeah, feels good. I feel healthy. I feel good. As I said, I mean, who knows? Maybe it could have been COVID, but it was just like basically your common head cold, I would say. Stuffed up, scratchy throat. 
and then stuff was in my throat, and yeah, a lot of sneezing, ice water. It was not fun, but I got through it. So, yeah, just stay safe out there, everybody. Uh, cases, unfortunately, are kind of starting to rise a little bit again here in the Wisconsin area, so I'm hoping uh, we can hopefully nip those in the butt. Um, and then also, too, I know Michigan's getting rocked right now. Just kind of the entire Midwest is getting rocked. Then it's like California was getting rocked in the winter, and they've got some of the lowest positivity rates right now in the country. Uh, so that's good for them. But just especially, too, with I see Canada, the, the Canucks hockey team up there, they're just getting rocked with uh, the Brazilian variant. And some of those guys apparently have just been, like, just stricken to their bed or something like that or i heard they have like home iv pumps and i don't want to be like a scare tactic on here but it's like you know if a hockey if that's happening to a hockey player like what do you think it's going to happen to an average citizen now the average citizen maybe might not have as bad side effects who knows but i'm just saying if it could do that to them you know it might do it to me so i just encourage everyone to be safe don't let their guard down um, again, I got the vaccine. I feel good. You know, I feel protected. But again, it's everyone's calls. But I would just say I feel that it is extremely safe. And I just hope as many people as possible decide to take it. So we're, it feels like, you know, we're getting there. Uh, light at the end of the tunnel. But we still, unfortunately, have a long way to go. So please just do your part is what I'll say, but again, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate uh, all the listeners out there, wherever you're at. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you.